Welcome to Automation Chat. I'm your host, Teresa Hauk, Executive Editor of the Journal from Rockwell Automation and our Partner Network Magazine. Today we're joined by Mark Ritzheimer and Rob Weeks from Rockwell Automation and Compass Product Partner, Advanced Energy Industries. The company provides optical temperature measurement pyrometers and SCR power control modules for demanding industrial heating application. We're going to talk about how precision electric power products have evolved. We're going to define a pyrometer and an SCR power controller. We'll learn which specific industrial processes require SCR power controllers. We're going to talk about how precision electrical power products have evolved. We're going to define a pyrometer and an SCR power controller. We'll learn which specific industrial processes require SCR power controllers, challenges end users might run into when adopting the technology, the best way to accurately measure temperature, and more. But first, it's time for our family-friendly, silly joke of the day. Uh, here's one that's so bad it's good. What type of sandals do frogs wear? Open-toed. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> Told you it was bad. All right, now let's chat. Hi, Mark and Rob. Thanks for talking with me today and about industrial heating applications. Hi, Teresa. Thanks hey, Teresa. for having us. So let's start out by remembering back in the old days when precision electric power used to be viewed as a black box and nobody really knew how things worked. How have products used in precision electric power evolved and what's the importance of it today? Let's, Rob, let's start with you and then Mark, you can sign in. Well, Teresa, um, in today's automation world, um, it's an era of big data and manufacturers, they want to measure and monitor all aspects of their enterprise so that they can make it more efficient and, and get more throughput out of their operation. So with the idea of a black box, information is not available into the enterprise. So therefore, that's something that's not desirable. When you have an architectural-based product uh, that can provide data that can be turned into meaningful information, then that can be used by the enterprise to improve its operation. Mark, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I'll probably just add, um, you know, we'll talk a little bit about the different products today, SCR and the um, SCR power controller and the pyrometers. But um, also in the past, if, let's just talk about temperature for a moment. It used to be that customers would just measure the temperature of a process. They would measure, um, you know, whatever was being heated or processed in some way, and that might be good enough. But now customers, um, like as Rob was mentioning, as part of the digital enterprise, want a lot more information than, than just the, you know, the, the simple temperature, let's say. They want information about how that product has been performing and, you know, getting to the point where the products are smart enough where they can begin to not only for themselves kind of figure out if they're operating correctly, even help in some level of predictive maintenance, but they can start telling you even more about the process than just temperature. And we see customers trying to take advantage of every piece of data that they can get now in turning that into useful, actionable information. And Rob, for our listeners, can you describe or explain what is a pyrometer and what is an SCR power controller or rectifier and what does SCR stand for? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'll, uh, I'll take a first swing at this. I'm hoping Mark will, uh, will come in and, and help me out, especially on the pyrometer side. But uh, a pyrometer is a, is a device that's a non-contact temperature measurement device that can measure temperature based on the infrared light waves that are coming from an emitted object. An SCR power controller is work, works in conjunction uh, with a pyrometer because as, as uh, the SCR power controller is designed to control precision electric heat applications, the pyrometer is used 
used to measure the temperature zone that's under consideration. So that's based on the temperature that you want your zone to be uh, and the temperature that you measure, if there's a difference, the SAR power controller will supply the proper power to the heating elements in order to attain the proper temperature that's desired. The SAR acronym itself stands for Silicon Controlled Rectifier. So it's basically a smart diode that can gate on and uh, is turned off when the, um, the in incedent electrical signal goes through zero. Okay, and Mark, anything else? Yeah, maybe I just chime in on the on the pyrometer. Um, so for people listening to this, you may never have heard that term, but you know, here we sit in uh, September 2020, and, and all of us actually know what a pyrometer is, and that is um, for everything going on in the world today. When you walk into a, a doctor's office, or even maybe go into work, and they check your temperature with one of those forehead thermometers, kind of point and click, where it's a few inches away from your your forehead, it's a pyrometer. So it's measuring temperature that you know the the naked eye can't see measuring your skin temperature. And that particular pyrometer then will have a, a wavelength. We'll talk a little bit more about that later, but it will have a wavelength in there that's optimized for human skin. And you can then choose pyrometers or optimized for materials, certainly more industrial materials. But yeah, I think unbeknownst to most of us, we've become experts around pyrometers in the last several months. Huh, that's surprising, but kind of comforting too. <laughs> yes, exactly. So how are silicon controlled rectifiers or SCRs used in precision electrical heat applications? Well, that's, that's an interesting question because um, if you want to get into the details of it, the silicon controlled rectifier uh, is a component piece that, that's, uh, that's used in a power control module. And uh, its purpose is to uh, turn, on, turn on and off, given a particular set point reference, the power control module will turn the SCR on and off in order to, to apply a particular voltage to a heating element in order to maintain the desired temperature. So it's it's the, the, the power control module has brains in it. You know, it's a smart device and uh, it tells the silicone control rectifier what to do in order to apply the proper power to the heating element. So what kind of specific processes require, require those? Like what are some specific or common applications? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, uh, Teresa. And, and the thing of the matter is, is, is that you'll find precision electric heat in a lot of verticals that we focus on as well as just pure T applications. So indulge me a little bit and I'll just kind of go off the cuff here with, uh, with the types of applications in vertical industries where you'll find precision electric heat. So for example, you're going to find it in furnaces and ovens and uh, glass, out, glass making processes and extruding processes autoclaves, foundries, um, injection molding, you know, automotive plastics and textiles and the like. So it's, um, it's everywhere, pulp and paper and such. So you'll see it in a lot of different places. It is everywhere. It is. And this is for both of you that when someone wants to implement this technology, what are the kind of challenges they might run into when they're trying to adopt the technology? Well, I tell you what, I'll, uh, I'll, I know Mark, Mark can help us out here on the pyrometer side, but to be honest with you, if you kind of peel back and you look at it from a 50,000 foot level, in anything that you're trying to do in, in manufacturing to start with something and end with something that you've added value to through the process, you've got to have the proper engineering uh, disciplines applied as well as the proper technology fit for the application. So a lot of what we see and what we help our customers with is getting to the point where they, they have specified the proper type of equipment that's needed for the application that they're endeavoring to create. If you miss some of the details, that can be a problem. So you want to make sure up front that you've got all the details, that you've thoroughly decomposed those details, 
and you've selected the proper automation strategy for that particular application, and whatever uh, automation strategy you adopted or selected, it needs to be in line with the future goals of the company as it looks down the road. So what I'm saying is, is that today it will work fine, uh, tomorrow it may be antiquated. You don't want that to happen. So when you talk about automation strategy, you're talking about overall processes and their goals. Absolutely. When I speak of automation strategy, I speak of, um, for example, uh, Rock Automation's uh, integrated architecture is an automation strategy that companies adopt so that they have a breadth of product that can cover all their application needs. And they don't like disparaging partner processes in their facility or their maintenance team. It's highly advantageous to have a common uh, automation strategy so that they don't have to learn the ins and outs of a lot of different parts, you know, that it makes their jobs a lot easier and it keeps the process up and going um, because there's no, let's say, downtime due to maintenance not understanding what's going on. So that that strategy is is very important and uh, certainly made it the higher levels of the corporate echelon. I would um, maybe add to that by saying, so as Rob mentioned, you know, certainly understanding the application and well enough in, in all, the, all the different pieces of the application. So if we're talking about um, electric heat and the, the processing or transformation of some material, you know, understanding a little bit about the material, the environment, processing environment helps make sure that upfront we're, we're helping the customer choose the right, the right configurations, the right capabilities. You know, there's a lot of customization that can go on and just making sure that we identify those things upfront. So that's a really good starting point. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about this in a moment, but when it comes to the parameter, for instance, making sure that you've selected the right configuration that makes it suitable for the material that you're trying to measure. So that's really important. And then lastly, when, you know, Rob, Rob brings up a really good point when he talks about what's the overall automation strategy for, for the enterprise for that and making sure that the components you're choosing support that. And one thing we found um, in the last couple of years is customers get a little bit deeper into the digital enterprise when they try to bring life to that and transform for their own their own companies or their own sites. Something that's scalable, I think, is also really helpful. So that something that is a little bit future-proofed, so to speak, so that you can start with, you know, maybe it's your, your, your first phase of the digital enterprise, but as you get more experience and expertise and, and understanding how you want to drive, having products already in place that support that will make that transition a lot easier. You know, speaking of specifications, can you talk about the best way to accurately measure temperature, especially for processes that require very exacting material melting or heating or drying or even forming? Yeah. So as we talked about at the very beginning, you know, we, we all kind of unknowingly have some experience with parameters today, and that's those little handheld devices that um, are, you know, used in doctor's offices and, and stuff like this right now. And those little handheld pyrometers, you know, they're quick, they're easy, and they contain a configuration inside of them. And, and we would call this a wavelength that's optimized for, in this case, you know, kind of measuring the temperature of, a, of another person. In, in each pyrometer, though, can be configured with the, the right wavelength to measure whatever the whatever the material is that's being processed, whether that be steel or glass or plastic, something like this. And so the first step is really understanding what, what wavelength, how to configure the pyrometer. And a, a real benefit of pyrometers um, for, for those who are already measuring temperature in some way, and a, a real common method for measuring temperature would be a thermocouple. It's, it's a device, it's a physical device. It's, it's been around for a very, very long time and, and can be quite reliable in the right application. But the one thing that a thermal couple cannot do is really help you if you have a situation where the material that you want to measure, you know, like glass or steel or plastic or something um, along these lines, that's a, a continuous process. 
So you can imagine if you have a process that's being driven by a conveyor belt or it's rotating or there's something about it where using a thermocouple just doesn't make sense uh, because, you know, it's, it's moving or if you were to try to make contact with it, you might in some way damage it. This is where pyrometers really, really play a, a key role. Also long term for those who are using thermocouples today, um, you can in many ways kind of consider those a, a consumable item. It's something that has to be replaced over time. Um, they drift, even the most expensive ones. And by comparison, a pyrometer is a solid state device that is good for many, many years of service without that drift and without some of the, the problems associated with, with thermocouples by comparison. Maybe last thing I'd add is, um, you know, for those who are using thermocouples today, you probably already know that, you know, kind of using the example of, of steel, um, you know, you want to measure the piece of steel itself, but a thermocouple, um, if that's what you're using today, doesn't give you the true temperature. It kind of gives you a, a surrogate temperature. And for processes that are getting, you know, more exacting, where you really have to know down to, you know, kind of the degree, what the temperature is, pyrometer is going to give you that accuracy and repeatability um, much more than a thermocouple will moving forward. One last question. Can you tell us the difference between the different types of parameters and which ones are appropriate for different applications? Yeah, and actually there are, you could say, almost an infinite number of, of choices around how you would configure that parameter. But what it really starts with, as we've kind of mentioned here, choosing the right, the right wavelength. And the wavelength is going to be internal in the parameter and you choose the wavelength appropriate for the material. And if you've gone shopping for parameters online and if you do some Google searches, one of the first questions in the sense that you would be asked if you start to configure a pyrometer is what's the material that's going to be measured? You know, again, is that going to be steel or glass or plastic? And really what we're, what we're doing when we ask that question is based on the material, we're helping choose the right wavelength. That wavelength is kind of the key to success with that pyrometer. Make sure that um, each of these materials that we're talking about, they kind of behave a little bit differently when they're, when they're heated. They give off different types of energy, and so the, the wavelength helps us nail that. I think equally important for those who you know, may have already worked with pyrometers in different applications, and we've seen this you know, here and there, you might one year purchase a pyrometer or use a pyrometer that might have been kind of customized around a steel application for the measurement of steel probably important to keep in mind that that same pyrometer cannot be used, for instance, to measure glass. Those are going to be kind of two different pyrometers. They're going to look exactly the same from the outside, but inside they're going to be a little bit different. That's just something to keep in mind. And then pyrometers, we know once you kind of talk about the wavelength, then you can start talking about um, whether or not you need only one measurement point or a multi-channel system that would give you multiple measurement points talking back to like a, a central control start talking a little bit about working distance. So how far away uh, are you from, um, you know, kind of what, what's your access? Is it measured in, you know, inches, feet, meters, um, just kind of getting an idea of how to install it. So these are some of the things that you should keep in mind when you're planning a parameter and the configuration. And then from there, um, depending on the environment, there are all types of additional accessories that can be added between different types of air purges and cooling water to keep the pyrometer clean and safe in hostile environments. As Rob talked about, there are the field bus protocols and add-on profiles available that allow for really easy integration of the pyrometer, also the SER power controller back into the Rockwell Digital Enterprise. 
and then ultimately, you know, driving towards making the pyrometer part of a, of a closed loop solution. And we see that more and more where customers are going from just measuring the temperature of something, you know, maybe this gets back to the black box we were talking about earlier, but really wanting to use the information in that data in real time to help drive real time decisions about the process, improve it, you know, improve the quality of the product, throughput, things like this. This is great. You guys have brought a lot of clarity to the topic, and I really appreciate you, Rob and Mark, talking with me today and for helping out anyone who wanted to know more about this topic. Well, thank you very uh, much. Yeah, thanks, Teresa. Thanks for the invitation. Glad to do it. This has been Automation Chat, and I'm Teresa Hauk. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave us a rating and a review on your podcast app. And tell your peers about us. You can even hit the share symbol to share your favorite episode. And don't forget, video of this podcast is available on our YouTube channel at bit.ly slash YouTube. Thanks for listening, and we'll chat again soon.